Good morning. Good morning. It's uh, good to have such a good crowd this morning. It's good to see all of you here. I invite you to turn to James 1, and we'll pick up uh, kind of where we left off uh, last week. Last week, the the main thought uh, that we were focusing on was um, counting joy through trials or profiting uh, through trials. And we'll pick up with that thought again uh, this week. I hope that you've uh, had time to maybe read through a few verses uh, of this uh, and to dwell on it a little bit, uh, to think about it. Hopefully, um, as we talked last week a little bit about looking back at maybe some trials that you've been through in the past, maybe that's helped you uh, see how uh, we can interpret these uh, scriptures a little bit uh, better. Uh, But as we uh, dive in, let's bow for a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, as we come to you, we thank you for the opportunity that we've had this morning to worship you. We pray that that worship has been acceptable in your sight. Now as we dive in uh, to your word even more, we ask that you would help us to open our minds and our hearts where we can study your word about uh, going through trials and uh, even as we talk about uh, sin in our lives and how we can correct that, we ask that you would help us and lead us as we go through our lives to be the type of people you want us to be. And it's through your son's name that we pray, amen. This morning, uh, let's just uh, go ahead and pick up with verse 2. We Just as a reminder, we mentioned that uh, James is, may um, um, believe, was uh, the James that wrote this particular passage. Uh, this particular book was the brother of Jesus. Uh, I guess you could say the half-brother of Jesus uh, did not have... Uh, the same father, uh, but had the same mother, if if you will. Uh, but uh, he was writing this to Jewish Christians. Uh, he was uh, writing uh, this uh, to um, Christians that had been dispersed. He was a leader and pillar in in um, uh, the church in Jerusalem, and he was writing this to those of his congregation that had been dispersed round about um, the country, and he's writing this as an encouragement, but also as a practical message of how to live the Christian life. And if you think about this, uh, someone um, that <clears throat> these Christians have been scattered around, uh, some of them are very young Christians, new Christians. So this passage is one uh, where he's getting very practical on how to live. Uh, He starts off by um, talking about going through trials, and certainly that's a good way to start off uh, because all these are going through trials, and he's uh, encouraging them uh, to do that. So let's uh, pick up verses 2 through 8. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. 
If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like the way, like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. We mentioned we, some trips for, tips for trials. Not trips, but uh, tips for going through trials. And I want to go back through those because I feel like I rushed through them at the very end of the of the our time together last Sunday morning. Uh, first of all, we need to know that um, a trial is temporary. A trial is temporary. And verse three tells us, "For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness." And the idea of this is that we're going through a test. When we're going through a trial, it is a test. Now, there are some trials, if you will, that may go through the rest of our life, earthly life, here on this earth. But we still need to remember that even those trials are temporary, that they're not permanent, they're not, uh, go, they're not eternal. Uh, they don't keep living on past our life. And so, all trials are temporary. We long for that place in heaven where there are no uh, permanent trials, where there's no sadness, no sickness, no trying times at all. We long for that place um, where that is permanent. And so the more we can keep it in perspective that this earth, this life is temporary, then we need to, uh, it will help us get through uh, those trials. Uh, secondly, we need to know that uh, our trials will make us more complete. And that's a tough concept. It's an easy one to read, but a tough one to live out. It says uh, in verse 4, And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So the thought is, is that we're not complete unless we go through trials. Now, I encourage you last week to think back of a trial that you have gone through that was tough and how you got through that. And the reason for that is because you may be in the middle of a trial right now, but you're more complete now than you were um, having gone through that previous trial. And so hopefully it's encouragement to yourself that because you got through one trial, you can get through another one. You know, I I used to coach, and the idea of having practice is so that when you get to the game, uh, you can perform it. You've you've already been through the practice. And uh, most coaches try to make practices tougher than the games. So that they uh, know they can get through those things. They know that they're going to run longer. They're going to practice harder than it is in the game. So that when they get to the game, they know they've been there. They've done that. They can do it again. And so that's the concept, hopefully, that we can understand with trials. Is that every trial we go through makes us more complete. Now that's tough to pray for. That's tough to swallow. Because it, it makes us 
wonder, okay, if I'm not complete yet, what trial am I going to go through next? What's next around the corner? What does God have in plan, plan for me to make me more complete? What trial is he going to put me through? I just want to get through the trial I'm in, or I, I just want to get past this trial. It's a tough one to think um, that we're not complete and that we have other trials laid out before us. And like we mentioned, sometimes these trials are not from our own doing. Uh, we are going to look at a little bit later in James 1 here today, where some trials we do cause. If it's uh, our sin or our desire that causes that causes us to be in a trial, we've caused that. However, some trials we just meet or we go through. Um, maybe it's something like uh, the tornado. Maybe it's something uh, with our job. Maybe it's something uh, with our family uh, that maybe uh, it's a, a parent or a child that has made a decision that we didn't cause ourselves, but we're, it's still, we're in the middle of it. We're in the middle of that trial because of that. Let's turn over to Romans chapter 5 for uh, just a moment. Neil mentioned this uh, a couple weeks ago in, in uh, some of his thoughts. In Romans chapter 5, uh, verses 1 through 5, we're told, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So just hitting pause here for just a minute, we're told that we're justified by faith through Jesus Christ. So where do we get that peace? Where do we get the justification? Where do we, um, even through trials, where do we find that peace? It's through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ, we also have access. Access to who? Access to God the Father. Uh, by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we re- rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So, one of the things to keep us to keep in mind as we go through trials is the the hope that we have, uh, the hope of the glory of God uh, that we have. But notice verse three, and not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. That sounds a whole lot like James one here. We glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulations produces perseverance. And perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to, uh, given to us. So, where, what does, what do our trials, uh, produce? Notice the progression here. Our trials produce perseverance. Perseverance produces character. Character, hope. We all talk about, we, you know, we want our kids to be uh, full of good character or we want to instill character in others. We want to encourage character. Well, how is character produced? How is character developed? We're told here it's developed through trials and persevering through those trials. That's how we develop character. And we also all want to have hope. Well, where does that hope come from? 
It's the fact, if you notice the progression, it's the fact that we've gone through a trial, we've endured that trial, and if you think about it, when you're in the middle of a trial, what are you doing? You're, you're praying more. You're relying on God. You're asking for God to help with that trial. You're asking for others to help you get through that trial, and the fact that you've gone through that trial, what does that do? It produces hope. Hope in heaven. And the fact is, is that this life is full of those. And so every trial we get through and we, we kind of get past that point, what does that do? It gives us hope of heaven. Hope that, hey, we've made it through some trials in our life. We can make it through other trials in our life. It may not be easy. It may be tough. It may be the toughest one we've been through yet. But what do we have uh, we have hope because we've made it through other trials. We can get through this trial and eventually we'll be able to enjoy glory in God, uh, with God in heaven where there are no trials. Um, and that's, that's uh, how we can get through. Let's turn over one other passage along this. First uh, Peter 1, 3 through 7. This is another passage. Um, you know, it's interesting we're... we're Hearing from James here, but we just read from Paul, and now let's read from Peter. And they all three have some of these same uh, kind of thoughts here. In 1 Peter 1, 3 through 7, we find, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that does not... Fade away, reserved in heaven for you. So we love to talk about this passage. Uh, we love to talk that through Jesus Christ, we have hope of a resurrection of, uh, from Jesus. Um, the fact that he arose from the grave, we have that same hope of being raised again after we die to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled so that we're, we have this hope of heaven that will not corrupt it will not go away it will never go away and it's reserved where in heaven for us we couldn't make better reservations anywhere else uh, than this reservation if you will but notice verses five through seven who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So, we rejoice in the hope of heaven, even though right now we're grieved by trials that we go through. Now, it's a little bit of, of challenging things to, to talk about, count it joy when we go through trials, but yet Peter says that we're grieved through these trials. But Peter also ta- talks about the hope uh, that is in heaven. So uh, that comment was made last week, that it's that hope. That this is temporary and that we're going to have heaven one day. That get, that's what gets us through these trials. 
But uh, verse 7 here in First Peter also talks about the fact that these trials, they're like uh, being tested by fire. Haven't you been through trials where you're tested like, like you're going through fire? Maybe you're in one right now where you feel like you're being tested uh, through fire. But what does that testing do? It kind of removes all the impurities, if you will. And it's the true things that endure. And if we'll remember that when we're going through trials, what does a trial do? It brings us to our knees. Does that mean we're, we're weakest when we're going through the trials? It's kind of backwards, but the Bible talks about that's when we're strongest. So when we're strong is when we're brought to our knees and we realize we can't do it ourselves. We need God to help us through that. That's when we're the strongest. So at your point where you feel like you're weakest, that's when we're really strong. That's when we're relying on God. We realize that all things come from Him and we have to have Him to get through those things. So let's turn back to James 1. So that's where we can see that as we go through trials, let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. But our our third tip, if you will, um, let me go back here. Our third uh, tip for going through trials was to ask God for wisdom. And we're told in verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. So notice what James does not say about these trials. What is he not saying? There's probably a lot of things he's not saying, but what's some of the things he's not saying? Okay, he doesn't say try to do it uh, by yourself. And even though we're told to ask in prayer, what does he say about those trials? Um, There's no promise here that he's going to remove that trial from us. What does he promise that he will give liberally uh, to all? Wisdom. So when we're in the middle of trials, uh, this is very fitting uh, to, to give, pray to God to ask us, help me to know the right things to do to get through this trial. Help me to react the right way. One of the toughest prayers is to, is to pray, help God, I want this, but help me to be able to accept it if the answer is no. Give me the wisdom to be able to handle this trial if you do not remove this from me. That's one of the toughest prayers uh, to pray. But I hope that you have seen in your life when, when you pray for wisdom to go through trials, God does grant that wisdom. I've seen it firsthand. It doesn't mean that we'll, we'll be able to have that trial wiped away. But if we'll depend on God in prayer to grant us wisdom to know how to get through it, 
how to get through that trial, how to handle it, God will grant that wisdom to get through the trial. That's a little different prayer than praying to have the uh, trial removed. But let's let's, uh, be sure that we ask for wisdom to get through uh, the trial. Uh, another tip here, um, notice the progression here in verses 6 through 8, is to have faith and do not doubt. And notice what, what it says here, but let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. So, for let not that, that man just suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. So again, what is, what is, God going to grant here uh, without doubting? What are we supposed to ask for without doubting? Wisdom. The wisdom to get through the trials. And so um, it's a little different prayer than maybe the prayer of a faith healer. This is not saying that God's going to miraculously take away all trials that we're going through. But what the scriptures do say here is that we can have confidence that God will grant us wisdom on how to deal with it, how to deal with that trial, uh, if we will ask for that wisdom. Um, in the last point here, uh, well, two, two other points, look forward to the reward. Uh, I've jumped ahead to a few verses here. Um, one verse we're going to uh, look in a little bit more is verse 12. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those that love him. I believe this passage mirrors uh, what was said in Peter a little bit ago and what was said in Romans, that we need to look forward to the reward. And sometimes that that hope is what can pull us through a trial, uh, hope that it will be over with. Um, also, a couple verses to call for the help of others. Uh, again, we'll, we're jumping ahead just a little bit. James has these themes that run throughout the whole book. One is um, the thought of trials. Another theme that kind of runs through the whole book is the tongue, about how to bridle our tongue. That That theme goes all the way through. Another thing that runs throughout the book of James is uh, to teach us how to handle our money, uh, what to do, do with our money, and you'll see that theme run all the way through. So sometimes uh, these verses will jump ahead a little bit, but come back to our topic. Uh, but notice chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. Uh, if a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what is that profit? So this is teaching us to, when we're in need, to reach out. And when someone reaches out to us, help us be the one that's willing to to help provide uh, that need. Also in James chapter 5, verses 13 through 15. Is any among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing songs. If it, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, 
anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And he is, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. So again, this is encouraging us to reach out. And as I mentioned last week, if someone asks for you for help, and if you, if if I were to ask everyone in this room, if the person beside you asks you for help, would you help them? I, I bet everybody in this room would say yes. I'd be glad to help. Sometimes, if we follow that question up, how many times have you asked for that help? That may be a little harder. Uh, Because a lot of times we don't ask for help. We try to do it ourselves. We try to think we can handle it. Yet we're willing to help others. Why is it so hard for us to realize we need to ask for help when we're going through those tough times? We need to ask for the the prayers when we're going through those times. I encourage you, if, if you're struggling, call on the elders. They will be willing to sit down with you and pray for you, pray with you. That prayer will do you good. will bring you closer to those elders than you've ever been before. I can assure you that they, they want to do that for you. They want you to ask for help, to ask for prayers. They want to be that shepherd to you. And they're willing uh, to do that for you if you'll just reach out and ask uh, for that help. Any other thoughts on uh, verses 1 through 8 before we kind of move on? All right, let's look um, another, uh, verses 9 through 11 here, we're encouraged to not put, to not put too much energy into earthly things. And so as we go through trials, let's, let's remember this. Now, think about this as, as James is writing to his people, um, to the former congregation that he was part of, and they're scattered abroad. Uh, he's encouraging them to not put too much energy into earthly things. Notice what he says here. Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation. But the rich in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field, he will, he will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat that it weathers, withers the grass, the flower fails, and its beautiful appearance perishes. So let the rich man, so the rich man will also fade away in his pursuits. So why would James encourage why would he write this to the people that are scattered abroad? Sure. Okay. So the the people that he's writing to could be two different types of people, just like we are today. Um, we could find ourselves rich or poor. Now, if you if you ask yourself, well, which category do I fall in? It's kind of relative, isn't it? Um, I would venture to say that nobody says, yes, I'm rich. Because don't we all know somebody that is richer than us? But 
all of us like to say we're poor, but don't we know somebody poorer than us? Um, these last few weeks, have you had the opportunity to maybe help somebody who lost everything? Uh, maybe everything. Maybe they lost their family. Maybe they lost their house. Maybe they lost all their possessions. Maybe in their mind they lost everything. So it's a little bit of relative term here of whether we, which category we fall in. So I think it's healthy for us to stay both sides of this and try to learn the lessons from both sides, if we will. Um, and the reality is, in this country, just by living in this country, we're one of the richest in the world. Um, but I would venture to say if we're in this room, we could consider ourselves rich in one uh, sense. But at the same time, we all know people uh, that are much more wealthy than we are. And so we can learn from those things as, as well. So what does James say here about dealing with our riches, dealing with things, earthly things? What now? It's not going to last long. And I think if if we can learn anything from the events of this last couple of weeks, is that that it only takes a second for it to to go away. It's not going to last long. So we shouldn't put too much energy into things that aren't going to last long. And sometimes don't we work so hard on those things? Uh, now, I've always been raised to take pride in what we have and take care of what we have and not, uh, you know, keep what we have nice and neat and clean and make wise use of those things. I would venture to say most of us were raised that way. But we need to make sure that we're putting stock into the eternal things. And if we, you know, if we're not careful... Uh, as Hiram said this morning, we may to- tolerate God and we're just giving him an hour here or, or two. And we're working so hard for these earthly things um, that are not going to last long. They're just very uh, temporary. What other thoughts here? So sometimes our trials are because our focus is on the wrong thing. Sometimes our trials are because we have our own desires. Maybe they're their earthly desires. And we're going to talk a little bit about that uh, here in the next few verses. Look at verse 15. Well, verse 14 and 15. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. So, and he says, don't be deceived, uh, my, my brethren. Um, and basically, his, his thoughts in verses 9 through 11 are, are appropriate that they're coming before these verses because sometimes our priorities are in the wrong uh, place. So when we're going through trials, is, is it a, a money trial? Is it a trial that we've gotten ourselves in because our priorities are wrong? Is it a trial that we've gotten in because our desires are wrong? Are those the trials that, that we're going through? 
um, I, I have taught a Dave Ramsey class before, financial peace class, and we, we've talked about um, possibly offering that here in the new year at some some point in time. Um, one of the biggest strains in a marriage, a lot of times, uh, can be those money discussions, those money struggles. And it feels like a, there's a burden sitting on your shoulders constantly, this fear of, of wh- where's the next dollar going to come in, how are we going to pay this bill, do I have enough to cover um, next week, today, what are we going to do uh, to eat today? It's those kind of strains on over and over that can really uh, put strain on a marriage, on a relationship, on a lot of things. I would say uh, one of the biggest causes for divorce a lot of times, unfortunately, is these discussions that arise over money and what to do with it. And so... Some, as we talk about trials, sometimes those are tough trials because they're, they're not easy fixes. They're not quick fixes. It's not something that we can pray to God to or that we can fix tomorrow and it just instantly fix. Sometimes he's take years of hard work to work out of those, those struggles and those trials, uh, that come from money things. And so I think that's what James is starting off um, by, as we talk about trials and these struggles, help us realize that many of these things are temporary. They go, they're going away. They're going to fail um, like grass. It's going to wither, uh, perish away. Uh, They are not eternal. So we need to be careful on on how we do uh, handle those things. Any other thoughts on 9 through 11? Yes. Exactly. And it's also during times like this, and I think COVID has shown this, um, many congregations around um, this country um, have been blessed by consistency in giving. Uh, some organizations have been blessed by giving. Throughout COVID, and I think what's happened is uh, there's been less spending on maybe uh, pleasures, uh, maybe it's trips, maybe it's vacations, maybe it's those kind of things. And when there's somebody hurting beside us that needs something, or there's something worthy um, going on, we see, you know, I don't really need that. Somebody else needs it more than I do. Um, And sometimes we see uh, those things. And so I think the key in verse 11 there is the last few words there. What are our pursuits? What are we pursuing? Um, And once we find joy in giving, real joy in giving, we will continue to give. um, If if we can uh, find that. Absolutely, and 
um, it's all relative, like I said, and it's it's if we're careful, we're we're outspending, uh, and, it's, and like I said, the the pursuits is what um, makes the the difference. What are we pursuing uh, with our money? Uh, what are we trying to uh, to do with it? Uh, that's that's the key. But um, I, I'm I'm one. I, I probably don't. Um, advocate any one person's thought but anything uh like uh the dave ramsey and there's other good people that give advice but the the bottom line throughout james is we're encouraged to reflect on what we're doing reflect on what you're doing and be purposeful in what we're doing the more we can be purposeful and plan out what we're doing the better more than likely we're going to make better good decisions with our money, with our time, with our effort, with our Bible study, um, the more we can plan out. Now, we're all cut by different cloth, I guess you could say. Um, I have two daughters and one of them's in here, so I've got to be careful what I say. But they're, they're totally different. One asked for a planner for Christmas. That's that's cut from a different cloth a little bit, you know. Ask for a planner. Why why ask for a planner? Well, because you want to plan. Because you want to write down things. Uh, I have another daughter that um, planner would be the last thing that uh, they would ask uh, for, um, and we'll just leave it at that. But I get I guess. You know, we're all cut from a different cloth. The the point is, um, let's be thankful of what we have and be purposeful of what we do with it. That's the bottom line, Let's uh, be purposeful. All right, let's uh, go through uh, verses 12 uh, through 17. But let me ask this um, before we dive into this. How do people normally react to their problems? Why me? Okay, we may uh, whine about it. We may mope in it. How else? Uh, how do people normally act, react to problems? Okay, victim, blame others. Okay, may uh, grit, grit our teeth, and when there's a trial, we're going we're going to get through it. How else do just people in general react to their problems? Where are some harmful ways we can react to problems? Ignore it? Okay. Yes. Well, there's a lots of ways uh, to, uh, to that people handle their problems. I hope these verses have helped us look at what's the role of faith, wisdom, and wealth in working out our problems. We can't spend our way out of a problem. Some people try to spend their way out of a problem. Maybe they go buy something because they're upset. Uh, They have remorse later after spending it. Maybe they got on a whim. And maybe we thought, okay, if I have this, I'll be happy. That will take care of my problem. It will help hide the fact that it will cover this up. Um, 
I hope that we see was the the role of faith, of wisdom, and wealth in in our uh, problems. So, um, real quickly, and uh, we'll have to touch back into this. What is temptation? What is temptation? Even from these verses, what does it say that temptation is? We enticed by our own desires. Now, uh, several versions have different uh, things about this. Um, for New King James says that we're drawn away by our own desires and enticed, verse 14. What do some of the other versions say? The ESV says that um, each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. The NIV says dragged away. Um, you know, I think uh, from reading the New King James um, here about lured and drawn away, it's it's almost I enjoy fishing, um, but fishing is all about luring and enticing, drawing it away. And basically, temptation is our own desires. In other words, what may tempt me may not tempt you. What tempts you may not tempt me. It's our own desires that is drawn away. But I appreciate the comment about God's role in this. What we find is that these aren't uh, from God. Notice verse uh, 13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. I believe Hiram touched on this a couple weeks ago as well. Uh, We cannot uh, say that we're tempted by God, but notice verse 14. Each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Um, So I hope as we go throughout this, this week... Um, as we read, I encourage you to read uh, through the rest of James 1 here, and it will set the tone for going through uh, more of these things. Um, let me give you just a couple verses uh, to look at for just a second here. In 1 Corinthians 10.13, and I believe I might have written down some of these things. Yes. On your sheet there, 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So we can have a way of escape in any kind of temptation. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18, we're told, for in that he himself has suffered, talking about Jesus, being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. In other words, Jesus was in all points tempted or tested just like all of us. And the fact that he went through it gives us hope that we can also get through those same things. In Second Peter 2, 9, we're told, Then the Lord himself knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation, and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. So he can deliver us out of temptations. So uh, this week, before we meet again, we'll go through New Year. 
Um, so you know what that means is New Year's resolutions. So before you set those New Year's resolutions, read through James 1 just a little bit again and set your New Year's resolutions uh, with that in mind. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Dear Father, we thank you for allowing us to look at this passage today. Uh, dear Father, uh, I know there are some in the, here that are going through trials that maybe no one else knows about. Dear Father, I know that um, we all go through trials that we cause from our own desires. Dear Father, help us as we look to the new year. Help us as we close out this year to reflect on what you've done for us and how we have lived our lives this year. And help us as we go into the new year to realize how we should live. Give us wisdom on how to deal with those things. And it's through your son's name that we pray. Amen.